Hey everybody, what's up? It's Patrick. Welcome to an episode of Life in Commune. As you know, the podcast is always and forever sponsored by communeyogastudio.com. Join the crew today. We release four new classes every single week and you can dive into our library over a thousand classes, all themed um, in different formats of practice, but mainly focused in awakening yoga, our signature practice style. We'd love to have you be part of the vibe. If you're listening and you've yet to try it out, come check us out. Your first week is always free. With that being said, everybody, we have just concluded May, a month of growth, a month focused on growth, diverse practices, unique practices, exploratory practices. So when we begin to consider a lot of these spaces, it's really important to understand that growth isn't linear, right? It's not a stair-stepping process. So often it's two steps forward, one steps backwards. As you know, in our last podcast, we talked a lot about what happens when you get into a rut? How do you get out of a rut? What happens when you feel inspired, when you feel creative, when you feel connected? And what happens sometimes you don't? And no matter what, you're always going to go through those phases. You're always going to go through those energetic spaces. Um, so we want to acknowledge that they exist, of course, and we want to keep moving through, keep pushing forward. The key to growth is consistency, right? So finding some level of consistency with whatever you're exploring. And as you know, with growth, it's not just about how your handstand is. Are you getting more flexible? Are you learning the poses better? Growth is a bigger concept, a bigger idea, something that is personal on so many different levels because the spaces you want to grow and what you really want to connect to is always defined by you. So when you think about, hey, I really want to get better at this thing, well, what does that entail, right? So you're setting yourself up a path, a pattern, a framework to make that happen, right? And with something like growth, the result is very open-ended, meaning that you're defining that. You're defining what success looks like for you. You're defining what growth feels like for you. Uh, because sometimes in our practices, we may be getting physical results, but actually feel very disconnected, right? Or you could feel, you know, very connected. You feel very immersed in the process, but maybe the physical shift isn't occurring. And you're the one that determines how that feels. Like you're the one that determines the barometer for, um, what that growth feels like. And I think that's really important to acknowledge because as we wrap up on the month, take this beginning moment, if you will, to reflect, right? To think back, to consider different practices and places where you showed up and everything worked, right? And over the course of a month, it can be very challenging, right? Because you're thinking, okay, when was May 1st? So many things have happened between now and then uh, in your personal life, in your practice, uh, in just the natural ships of the season. I know here in the Pacific Northwest, we went from what felt like just gray always, and then all of a sudden summer happened. And it's hard to remember a time right now kind of before summer occurring because the weather has just been so nice, so consistently. Like even if it's been a little bit cloudy in the morning, the sun has been out in the afternoon and we've been all about enjoying that vibe and enjoying that energy. Um, but with that being said, you could be moving through a seasonal shift as well. And so when things are shifting and changing, time has a weird way of working with us, of working through our minds. So it's really important to, you know, take a moment to reflect, to think back, oh, hey, like, did I create some growth this month? And you probably created so much, to be honest with you, that it's easy to forget um, certain pieces, certain moments, certain elements. And so give yourself the grace 
and the permission to, you know, put a few gold stars on your own tally sheet for showing up, for putting yourself out there, and for being willing to explore the practice. And explore yourself along the way, because again, every time we step onto the mat, there's this opportunity for the process, right? And we're moving through a process. And something I've been talking about a lot recently in my own classes is this thought and this idea that when we put ourselves through a process, it's very easy to find peace at the end of a process, right? That's why Shavasana, a closing meditation, space in between, you know, whatever, you, the end of your movement, the end of your workout, the end of your exertion, again, physical, mental, spiritual, um, and the next activity is so beneficial because you've went through something. Like give yourself the chance to decompress. Give yourself the chance to release. Give yourself the chance to feel that stillness, to be in that peace. Because when you create a connection to that peace, when you create a connection to that experience, to that moment, uh, you can carry that with you. And when you can carry that peace with you, it'll linger in your system. You know, When you acknowledge that it's there, when you acknowledge that it's within your being, um, you can move that forward. You can bring that with you. It can really lighten up life a little bit. It can give you that little spark that you may need um, to keep pushing, to keep moving forward. So, um, you know, acknowledge that. Give yourself the space after you go through a process. Hold the peace. And again, this could be something simple as like you're working really hard studying for something, right? That like immediately in my mind, what I was thinking about there is, you know, you're, you're studying for an exam. You have a big work project. You complete the task. Like give yourself the chance to decompress from that. You know, give yourself the chance to honor the effort. And when you do, you find that peace within and you can carry that forward. And then eventually, you know, life catches up with you a bit. And uh, then you go through another process and you find that peace. And that's one of the beautiful things about daily practice is, you know, you're putting yourself through the process day in and day out. And you can always come out the other side. And you can remind yourself that you'll always come out the other side. And there's a lot of beauty in that. And there's a lot of growth within that. With that being said... My favorite class from this month of growth released, ironically, as my last class of the month. It's called Movement is Medicine. Um, this is a very different type of practice because there is some elements of flow, but there's also just an element of focused, targeted, specific activities that have elements of being very advanced, but they also have elements of stillness and of focus and of deep presence. And this is a way I really like to practice when I'm on my own. Uh, because I find that, you know, I do some flow to warm up. I really try to integrate and get into my body. And then I really try to target into one or two things that are sparking my interest, right? And so this class is definitely something from my personal collection, something from a place I would go often on my own journey to lean into some space that that's uniquely my own. And so sharing it is obviously very personal, but it's also one of those things that is really helpful because you can understand that a practice can look so many different ways. An advanced practice can look so many different ways. Um, as you know, from when we were doing a lot of stuff around some advanced asana, advanced to us is awareness. It's your connection to yourself, your awareness of your body moving through space, of your connection to the present moment, of not what you're doing, but how you're doing it, that really ties all the bows, that puts all the pieces together, that connects all the wires. So um, if you haven't dove into that class yet, definitely check it out. Let me know how it goes. And now it is time for the big announcement. 
the announcement of June's theme. And June's theme is strength. And ironically, in that moment, that light went out on me. And for that, I'm sorry, but we are just going to keep it rolling. Um, So yeah, June's theme is strength. So we are going to have strength-based practices. Strength-based practices. No more, no less complicated. There's going to be a lot of good foundational work, a lot of good power being built, a lot of places where you can just apply effort. And I think this is a wonderful segue or trampoline, a place to bounce off of or bounce on after a month of growth. Because when you're thinking about growth, there's so much consideration in that process. You know, you're being tactical, you're being introspective in a way, right? Uh, But when you are in a space where like, hey, I'm focusing on strength, there's there's a brute force effort there. There's a drive. There's a real simple way to just say I'm showing up, I'm applying myself, and I'm moving forward, right? And so I think that is a really wonderful place to be. Um, after a month of consideration because when you're in these spaces of strength, you can really push the envelope of your physicality and it's not more or less complicated and you'll find perseverance, you'll find willpower, you'll find softness, you'll find release, right? You'll find limits and I think that's a really beautiful thing because growth comes from limitation, right? And when we consider growth, especially in our physical asana practice or as we're considering ourselves, it's so easy to be inspired and want to grow in so many different directions, right? Um, But when you really want to create true movement forward, true steps forward, the best path for that is narrowing the scope and then walking that path and seeing what shows up on the other side. So with these strength classes, you're going to push yourself. We're going to move through some challenges. We're going to move through some interesting spaces. And uh, yeah, it it should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for uh, the classes that I've created for this month for y'all. Everyone else is really excited for classes they've created as well. Because again, it's, it's such a specific focus. And don't worry. There's plenty of recovery classes in the mix. So it won't just be, you know, smashing your, uh, yourself, crushing your body. We always want to be holistic in our approach. But you'll have plenty of opportunities to push yourself, to challenge yourself, to up the ante, and to see what comes of that type of work, to see what happens when you really, you know, elevate your system in that kind of way. See what happens when you're pushing the pace, when you're doing those extra reps, when you're holding chaturanga for a little bit longer, when you're you know, doing some complicated movements in the body. Can you persevere in those spaces? Can you hold on? Can you keep walking the path? Do you know when to pause? Do you know when to find the limit, when to take a rest so that you can progress, so that you can move forward, so that you can practice tomorrow? That's one of the things that we always hold near and dear to our hearts is not only can I push myself, can I practice today, but am I practicing today in a way that's going to allow me to continue to practice, that's going to allow me to continue to journey tomorrow, the next day, the day after, the day after. So we're steadily building our baseline and finding a space that is um, consistent, a space that is 
personal. And the strength that we develop really has a meaning towards our goals, right? So really tying strength and growth together so that we are uh, creating this catalyst for new movement, new connection, new purpose, and new energy. One of the things I say a lot in the classes this month, and I want to say it here on the podcast, repetition count is always relative for my class, for everybody's classes. Focus on your quality of movement. Dive into those spaces. Be fully connected to quality and then apply the repetition to build up consistency. Don't be tied to, I have to get to a certain number or it doesn't count. Move away from that mindset. It's not serving you. Instead, develop your technique. Apply effort to the technique, to your capacity. Rest. Come back to the technique. Apply effort to it as much as you can. Rest. It's a much more sustainable way to move, finding overall consistency. And I hope over the course of this month that you really find a lot of new capacity in your body. Because when we're focusing on strength, for a month, there's going to be the beginning where we're excited about it. You know, we're like, okay, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to really push them and see what happens. The place that I want you to stick with it is the middle. Because you wake up a little bit sore, body's a bit achy. Come onto the mat, see what you have. You know, those are the days when you have to try to push through, make it to the other side. It's really easy to run the race at the beginning. It's really easy to run the race when you see the finish line. That middle part, that's the place where we all got to find the perseverance, where we all got to find our internal strength, right? Our internal capacity to motivate, to inspire, to push. And whether that's, you know, always self-driven, whether that's messaging a friend, throwing on a practice with them, sharing the space, creating a sense of communion. I know a lot of you do this, you know, show up for yourself, show up for each other, Find that energetic connection. Find that place because that's where you'll really, um, you'll really begin to develop. And then from there, you'll really begin to thrive with all of these offerings, with all of these uh, places that you can go. So consider your strength. Push the pace. Push the boundary. And have a lot of fun with it. Have fun with creating your connection to your body, to your mind, and to your limits. So have fun with these classes. Let me know how they land for you. And now it is time to get into some q and I haven't done Q&A for a long time, so I figured let's hop into it in the podcast. Got a lot of questions from all of you, and so I'll jump into as many of them as possible. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll jump right into it. Uh, do I reuse a class if I'm teaching multiple times a week? Kind of. So if you're familiar with Awakening Yoga, you know that we have 13 series in the solar practice and we have eight series in our lunar practice. And then I have a number of other set pieces that are part of um, Awakening Yoga. There would be like the secret menu, if you will. Um, You know some of them, of course, if you've been in our sequencing trainings. Um, But I play into many of the different concepts of awakening yoga every single time that I teach. And so there's always a repetitious quality, even though the class won't be identical. So I'm teaching a lot of similar concepts, 
time in and time out, but I'm maybe not teaching the same class pose to pose verbatim uh, because, you know, a new inspiration will strike or some, a different group of people will be in the room or I'm teaching myself because it's on camera or I'm working with somebody privately, right? So all of those elements create something different, create a new inspiration, a new environment. And it allows the practice to, uh, to evolve, to remix, to uh, come back around over and over and over again. And that's one of my favorite things about um, teaching through the Awakening Yoga system is that everything becomes familiar and then everything also becomes fresh as you continue to churn the pot and just find different places to explore in your practice. So um, as an instructor, that's the thing I, I guess, yes and no, but there's always general themes that are constantly running similar. When I first became a yoga teacher, did I feel nervous when setting out to teach a class? Yes, definitely the first, probably the first three or four, I was nervous. Um, just because you have no idea what you're doing and uh, you think you need to have this massive idea of what you're doing because you're going out and doing something in front of people and you always want to remember that your first class is always your first class and it will be the only first class that you ever have to teach, which is a blessing, right? So going out, removing the pressure to think you need to be great, to thinking you need to be perfect and just do what you know, keep it simple, you know, have fun with it try to laugh your way through it. Um, and if you make mistakes, you make mistakes and just keep it pushing and enjoy the process. I think that it becomes really easy to put a lot of pressure on yourself, especially in the beginning. But to be honest, <clears throat> in the beginning, you should have so little pressure on yourself because what's the expectation anyways? You know, it's your first few times. Uh, maybe you'll go on to teach for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Maybe you'll teach 20 total classes ever. Right? So don't feel the, the thought process or don't be tied to the thought process that like, okay, I've done a 200-hour teacher training, maybe I've done a 500-hour teacher training, and now I'm going to go teach my first class, and uh, it's going to be magic. Like, it's going to be a first class. doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter who you are. It's the first class. It's always going to have some good moments, some funny moments. Like, I remember from my first class, I was so happy towards the end of class when we're doing, like, the closing poses and uh, in that space, in that moment, I spoke so precisely and so specifically to a reclined twist. And I was like, wow, that was an excellent instruction. And then I thought that in my mind. And then after that, I was like, wow, I used like eight sentences to tell someone to ground their right shoulder and take their right knee to the left side of the mat. You know what I mean? So it all comes around and it's kind of a funny, um, a funny bit of a journey. Um, how long did it take for you to recover from your Achilles tendon injury? Uh, it took a while, but also in many ways, not that long. So I was able to get back to practicing yoga, I think within three months, which was pretty awesome. I was very excited about that. Um, and then I was probably jogging at about six months. I was very meticulous about my recovery process. So um, I've talked about that ad nauseum in a number of different spots and podcasts, so I won't exaggerate too much here with that. But um, it was, you know, a few hours every single day, you know, of going through this work, of putting myself there, of trying to get better and better and better. And 
um, really committing to the process of recovery, both in terms of the training side of it and in terms of the resting side of it. So um, that was quite a lot during that time in my life. But, you know, if when you have a problem, confront it, face it, work with it, work through it, and, you know, check, check the boxes, check the necessary boxes. Um, do I have plans to return to Minnesota for more intensives in the future? Yeah, sure, why not? Why not? I had a wonderful time uh, teaching in Minnesota. Do you have any, uh, where is this, uh, any beginner or foundational tips for handstands? So I have a whole foundational series for handstands on coming online, which of course you can check out if you're a member, you can be in the library of it. Um, but plain and simple, best advice I can give you is work at the wall, hold for time, don't try to balance by the wall. As you get comfortable holding for time, creating stamina, being upside down, the next thing to do is start to go up in the middle of the room. Don't worry about a straight line shape. Just worry about being on your hands, keeping your arms straight, moving your hips. That is a very condensed version of what you should do in the beginning. Um, but again, it is what it is. And always remember, always remember balance is a skill. Strength helps, flexibility helps, core strength helps coordination helps but but it is yeah. hugs yeah okay <laughs> all right next question do you ever do workshops for basic yogis or just for instructors all of my workshops are open-ended meaning that if it's a workshop uh it's for all levels but that means anybody who is willing to give effort and has some familiarity with the practice, meaning that you wouldn't want to come to a workshop with no yoga experience at all because obviously you would get a bit lost. But everything builds, everything develops. And the way that I try to teach and create these spaces is, what's the way to say it? Like there's an awareness and understanding that there's so many different types of students in every single workshop that I teach. So I don't expect everyone in there to be advanced. I don't expect everyone in there to be handstanding or doing crazy backbends or arm balances or anything of that nature because a yoga practice is not about uh, posture or you know, doing all kinds of odd things. It's really about an awareness and a connection to you and elevating your consciousness through moving your body, um, being part of your mind, being part of your spirit. I kind of botched the words there and for that I'm sorry. Uh, but it's, it's about a process. It's about coming into yourself, right? And so I don't really go into any of these workshops expecting everybody to have a phenomenal practice. So yes, anybody can come to a workshop as long as you're willing to try, you're willing to put yourself out there, you're willing to accept and embrace the challenge of the work, of the workshop. Um, when it comes to trainings, which is a lot of what I'm teaching right now, there is some level of like, deeper commitment required just so that you can really get the most out of the training. So it's not about it being exclusive. It's more just about it being worthwhile. Uh, so, you know, I think that if you're someone that's part of a training, like having a heavy level of interest and inspiration for the practice, having some dedicated time spent on your mat is so beneficial to really being able to do the work. You know what I mean? Like if you couldn't walk a mile, you wouldn't want to hike a mountain, you know? So that's what I think with the trainings, but with the workshops, you know, there's lots of opportunities to explore, to see how something lands for you and then to move forward from there. <laughs> Who taught me the definition of casual and where can I find them? 
Oh my gosh. Uh, so, you know, I, say, I always say that's casual fam when I teach or things like that, or it's just a casual this or that. And I think it's just to lighten the mood because so often um, some of the things that I request are slightly absurd at times. Um, but I'm well aware of that. And so by saying it's casual, it's kind of like me acknowledging that like, hey, it's not, but you're doing an awesome job. You're doing phenomenal and stick with it. Uh, respect to that. Will I be doing another daily practice and body reading session or teacher training module soon? Yes, there's definitely going to be a few of those in 2024. Keep your eyes out. The one, I guess, next week in Lisbon is very sold out, but it's going to be a fun time. Um, so if you're there, I'm super excited to be part of that with all of you. Um, what do I love most about teaching yoga and sharing the practice? I think just the light bulbs that turn on with people sharing something that I'm really passionate about and... Um, seeing people kind of transform in their own unique way through the process and finding their own interests and something that's dependable for them. Uh, yoga for me has been such a safe space throughout the last, my goodness, 15 years, 15, 16 years of my life. Um, and I'm forever appreciative of that. So, uh, I think that, I think that is, the, that is the thing for me. It's like when somebody's been working on something and they're in their process and then something, a little, a little moment clicks and then all of a sudden that's now part of everything moving forward. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to witness, to experience. And, um, you know, honestly, that anything I create lands with people, that, that, it, that it matters, that it is part of, part of their own process because we all, you know, create, recreate, inspire, re-inspire, and, and that, that constant evolution, that constant growth that um, resides within us all is a beautiful thing to experience and to see taking place in others. Uh, so many questions about where I'm going to be teaching. A lot of that is work in progress. I'm am planning to be on the East Coast a little bit in the fall. I will be in London in November. I'll most likely be in Paris around the same time I'll be in London. Um, and I'm taking a little bit of the summer off mainly because we have teacher trainings in Seattle during that time. So uh, I'll be staying here in Seattle for then, but back to traveling and teaching in the fall, which I'll be very excited about then. All right, and the last two questions for today. Um, what is a tip that I would give for people that's just like a little secret tip or a little hidden gem for the asana side of the practice. And I guess the biggest thing that I would really think about when you're working on your asana, when you're um, exploring all those different spaces or just kind of like trying to maneuver is to acknowledge your own body. Worry way less about aesthetics and be way more in the feeling and finding technique. Right, So the aesthetics of the pose or the general instructions of a pose are wonderful, but they're also ideal. And most likely when you're beginning your practice, your body is not ideal for yoga. Unless, of course, you did an ample amount of stretching um, during your whole life. You're very familiar being on your hands. Right, You've done a lot of gymnastic style movement, if you will which is not most people when they begin their yoga journey. Everyone comes from so many different walks of life, which just means at that current moment in the beginning of the process, and I mean like your first few years, you know, in the process, in the practice, your body's not necessarily ideal for yoga. Acknowledge that. Work with that instead of working against it. When you tie yourself to aesthetics, when you tie yourself to, oh, I'm going to do this perfectly, you forget that 
everything is climbing the ladder. Everything is walking up the staircase. You can't skip, skip steps because when you skip steps, your foundation is a little bit crumbly and then not everything can fully connect, can fully hold you, fully support you. So take your time, notice, all right, where are the places you have range of motion? Where are the places you feel strong? Where are the places you feel coordinated? Where are the places you feel connected? Where are the places you can breathe into? right? Where are the poses where you feel comfortable with your pranayama? Where are the places that you feel a struggle with your breathing? Do you like seated pose? Do you, do you like active poses? Like ask yourself these questions outside of the practice space, immerse in the practice, in the practice space, and just kind of let the fruits of your labors come from there. Last question, not yoga related. Who do I think is going to win the NBA finals? Denver Nuggets. That's my pick. If you have a pick, let me know how it goes for you. Anyways, y'all, hope you enjoyed the episode. Look forward to chatting with you all soon. <laughs> have an amazing rest of your day. Peace.